The following program brought to you by Comprehensive Financial Consultants and CFCI, which is solely responsible for its content. Securities are offered through J.W. Cole Financial, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice offered through CFCI and J.W. Cole Advisors. J.W. Cole Financial, J.W. Cole Advisors, and CFCI are unaffiliated entities. The opinions expressed by the members of CFCI and their guests should not be construed as specific investment, legal, or tax advice. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. Investing may involve the risk of loss of principal, and any tax advice on the show is not intended to be used by any persons for the purpose of avoiding U.S. federal or state tax. Penalties that may be imposed on such persons and each listener should seek advice from their tax advisor or legal counsel on topics that arise from the show. The representatives of CSCI and their guests are not providing legal or tax advice, and nothing should be construed as a solicitation to offer or buy securities. Now enjoy the show. Happy New Year, everyone. David Hayes in the studio on this first Thursday of January 2024. I think it was Tuesday morning. I came into the office and had to write a check to someone, and I got it right the first time. I've not messed up since. 2023 is in the rearview mirror. Behind me, I'm ready to go forward with a great 2024. So if you follow us on Facebook, uh, Comprehensive Financial, uh, check out our new video we're going to be posting, I think, here in the next hour or two. Uh, just kind of giving you a quick update on a variety of things, including the Secure Act 2 updates for 2024. So it's a good little short video, mainly just to get you to think. We're not solving the world's problems in a 10-minute video, but we're certainly getting out the information that needs to get out. So at least you know what you don't know already. All right, let's get to it. We're going to have a fun show today. It is the 2024 tip-off report. Rod Holloway will be joining me briefly for two quick segments quick and rod talking are not actually uh, possible so we'll get rod right on the phone see what's been going on in the markets up to this well we'll do a recap of 2023 we'll look forward to 2024 and then we'll also talk about a wall street journal article that came out that said the hope of return to market normalcy you want to get hot rods Opinion of that as well. So, of course, all of this is brought to you by Lance Like at the Like Law Group. Just saw, just saw him at the Trojan Horse. Um, didn't even get to say hi to him. I had to walk by him so fast I was running out of time. He was there having lunch with someone. It was funny because Malibu was closed, Uptown was closed, so Trojan Horse was packed full of people. So I guess that's good for business, right, when other people close. But it is Attorney Lance Like at the Like Law Group. Give yourself and your family the peace of mind that comes with proper estate planning. Call Lance at 812-323-8300. And Kenny Bland Auctions. Haven't talked to Dirk for a while, or Nikki, but they are your full-service auction service. They offer the pre-planning the sale of your estate or real estate. Visit them online at KennyBlandAuctions.com. Still have not worked out the issue with the state of Indiana. Remember I told you that the estimated tax payments, you should pay it in the quarter you recognize income. How do you know when you're going to have phantom income or how much from your mutual fund? What about doing a Roth conversion? And they say, nope, we want you to pay it evenly throughout the year, not in the quarter that it was recognized. So I had Eric Cook, a senator from Indiana, state of Indiana, on the case. And I emailed them again uh, about a week ago, right before New Year. Any movement on this? Nope, still have not heard anything back, but we will ask again. So hopefully we'll have an answer for you on that. Um, What else did I promise you? I promised you I would try to fix this uh, no one's paying you enough on your cash, on your brokerage account problem. Well, I haven't haven't fixed it, but a very big, well-known firm was sued for the second time for not paying people enough on their cash. So we're still 
fighting that battle. But the key is, you know, just keep keep it invested the best you can. And you're always going to have to have a little bit of cash around because that's how you transact, you know, ins and outs and make buys and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's a frustrating thing for a lot of people and including me. All right. So let's do this. Let's get Hot Rod on the phone. A short opening segment. We'll get him on. We're going to talk about it. It's an election year. What the Fed minutes said in December that gave us direction in the markets going forward. I want to get both market perspectives on the stock and the bond markets. You know, we've had bonds get destroyed when interest rates jumped up. I think the average aggregate bond uh, index was down 13% in 2022, up 5 in 2023. But remember, when you're down 13, you need 15 to get back to even. So we're still way underwater on bonds overall. Stocks, you know, down 18, spot 18 last year in the S&P, um, up this year 20 plus. But you have to have that to even come close to getting back to even. Still not at our 22, January 22 highs on the S&P. The Dow hit some all-time highs. So we'll get Hot Rod's opinion of that and a bunch of other stuff. It's going to be a great show. This is Your Money with David Hayes. Welcome back, everyone. It is the 2024 tip-off report. Got Rod Holloway on the phone. Rod, 2023, in a quick recap, was a very interesting year, to say the least. Uh, obviously, looking now back to 22, that must have been the correction that the market anticipated uh, with the economy potentially slowing down in 2023. Uh, market turned out a pretty nice gain at the end of the year. Steamed forward right at the end of the year to have uh, pre pretty much erasing all of 2022 losses. So here we set, recapping 2023, looking into 2024. We have an election year. We had the Fed minutes that came out that gave us some indication of what the Fed uh, chair people are thinking. Uh, we've had a crazy stock market, a crazy bond market. So I'm just going to turn it over to you, Rod, and have you give us a quick recap of that crazy 2023 and then what we're thinking as we approach the beginning of 2024. Yeah, well, as you said, 23, it, it was definitely crazy from the standpoint that it, it, it didn't play out in the order we kind of anticipated. We didn't expect that that the market would take off and soar in the first half of the year because the Fed was still fully engaged in fighting inflation and and they weren't even talking cutting rates, even though the market was making some assumptions that the first rate cut was going to come near the end of 23. But the Fed wasn't even talking about rate cuts. Matter of fact, they were still completely focused on inflation and increasing interest rates and getting into a restrictive level. Um, so we kind of thought that the market would be a little more choppy in the first half of the year than what it was. The latter half of the year was when the market became choppy. Um, and, and I guess that maybe it became choppy because the market finally came to the realization it wasn't going to get the rate cuts in 23 that it had anticipated. Um, so you had a pretty decent sell-off as you headed into the fall. Those were historically the slow months anyway, August, September, and October, and they didn't uh, fare very well this year either, or I should say last year now that we're in the early stages of 24. But, boy, did we have one powerful rally in November and then December the Santa Claus rally kind of held true from the standpoint of the real Santa Claus rally is the last five days of the year, the first two days of the new year. Well, the first two days of the new year, we didn't continue that rally, but we got a pretty strong one in, in the last five days of December. And then when you throw that on top of 
what December and November actually gave us. Really good finish to the year, which gave us about a 24% return on the S&P 500. Uh, I think somewhere around 43% on, on the NASDAQ. Um, the Dow Jones was the lagger uh, of those uh, as it finished probably right about 14% return for last year. Small cap was in about the same boat um, as far as how it finished last year. And then we've come out of the gate here early and we've sold off the first two days. But I think we finished the year nine straight positive weeks on those major indices. Um, so to come out of the gate a little bit and have a little bit of profit taking, uh, I don't think that's anything to be completely alarmed with. I think my biggest concern, and I've been sharing this for a few weeks now, at least in the first half of the year, is that the market has set itself up for failure once again. The market believes the Fed will be cutting rates in March. Now, after the last Fed meeting, the federal funds probability jumped up to around 76, 78 percent probability of a March rate cut. It has since dialed back a little bit, but it's still sitting at about 70 percent. And I just don't see that the Fed is going to feel comfortable that inflation is lit to the point to where they no longer have to be in restrictive territory and that they would cut to begin getting back to neutral, which means if they are cutting in March, I fear that the reason they would be cutting was because they see some deterioration in the economy that makes them very nervous. And if that's the case, that's not a positive reason for them to be cutting. Now, I think once you get beyond the springtime and you get back to the latter half of the year, you get more data points that continue to show inflation consistently dropping, although it may slow down at the pace that it's dropping, because we've known all along the last 1% to 2% of getting down to that 2% inflation target was probably going to be the hardest and the one that would take the longest. But if we continue to see that, then I most certainly can see the Fed beginning to take away cuts or, or, or increases to get back to a neutral level, meaning that the Fed is no longer attempting to slow down or restrict the economy, but the Fed also doesn't feel the need to stimulate the economy because the economy has solid growth on its own, and the Fed can sit there at a neutral rate and just let the economy work and do what it does. You know, this is a great time, folks. If you think about it, we had interest rates that have come back some, which means bond values increased some. We've had this powerful rally, even though we've given a little bit back to start the year. This is a great time to be getting ready to get ready. One of the things that I always want people to be aware of, if you work for a company, if you work for a municipality, not everyone, but most people have something called an age-based in-service withdrawal option for your retirement plans. Normally, it kicks in at 59 and a half, and it simply says that, hey, at 59 and a half, you can take money out of your 401k, roll it into an IRA, and invest it differently than what we can do inside the 401k. The 401ks, and they're great accumulation vehicles, but they're just typically not set up investment-wise to provide you the preservation of capital, that bridge money that you need heading into the first few years of retirement. So, Rod, I'm looking, and we did that some today. We had a, a current retiree, and I know you were involved in the conversation. I heard heard you guys talking, um, who decided to increase his distribution by an extra thousand dollars a month. And we were looking, okay, we only have you know three years of money here set aside, and let's use this as an opportunity to sweep and keep. So we're sweeping money out of the equities, putting more into fixed income, teeing him up for potentially five, six, seven years of uh, assured income, and 
Yeah, I mean, you need to be you need to be proactive in situations like we've experienced here. Great interest rate environment still, good market. It's a great time to get ready to get ready to for whatever it is that you've got going on. Required distributions, retirement, just regular distributions already. QCDs. Uh, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to do a qualified charitable distribution out of my IRA if, if I'm 70 and a half and the market's down 20 percent and I'm selling stuff to just to give to the charity. Whatever you think you're going to be giving, tee that stuff up to be in a nice, safe, secure spot. So when it's there, when you need it, it's there and it's not disappeared because the market evaporates. Because the market moves in anticipation of what might happen, and then it will adjust on reality. So. I'm with you, Hot Rod. I don't see it, a chance in heck that we're going to see a rate cut in, in March. I, I mean, inflation's just not not there yet. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you, Rod, about the hope of a return to market normalcy. That was in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, let's see, January 2nd is a pretty, pretty interesting article because I think people would like for, I mean, especially people that run money like we do, get back to a sense of normalcy. You know, let's Let's make sense of some things. We'll be right back to talk about that and more. It's Your Money with David Ace. Welcome back, everyone. Your Money with David Hayes. Happy New Year. Right, Happy New Year to you. I know I've seen you in person, but I haven't talked to you on air. So I know you're excited about 2024. A lot of great things going on in your private and personal life and uh, around your house and obviously uh, around the office as well. So Happy New Year, Hot Rod. Thank you, Dave, and same to you. And uh, looking forward to it, as, as we are almost every year. I don't think we ever start years out uh, dreading what's ahead of us, but uh, very excited about what's to be holding 2024. And I think to your, your, your intro before the break, as far as what you were going to talk about here after the break, Man, that, that, that speaks volumes for me because to me, normalcy means getting back to fundamentals matter. And, and that's important to me. I mean, we have always said that, that a big part of our investment philosophy and strategy is it's fundamentally driven with the technical overlay. Technicals give you a good idea in the short run of, uh, of where there's a good value to enter a trade, maybe where a trade is slightly overvalued and you can take some profits and get out of it. But, but what we firmly believe in long-term performance isn't driven by those short-term technicals. It's driven by the long-term fundamentals. And here for the last few years, it doesn't feel like fundamentals is the primary driving force behind it. It's not that fundamentals have been ignored completely, but there's no doubt that other factors, the Fed cutting rates, the Fed not cutting rates, what did the Fed say, what did the CPI come out as, those have been the things that have been the real market movers in the short term, more so than, oh, hey, we've got solid GDP growth, this company has great revenue growth, their margins are growing, all of those types of things, which is what should matter most to long-term stock performance, most certainly, at least for the last few years, in my opinion, haven't been the primary driving force behind stock prices. Yeah, a few people think the S&P can match that 24% gain it logged in in 2023, which essentially erased, like I said before, the 2022 losses for the most part. Um, I think a return to economic normalcy could translate into reasonable and sustainable rise in stocks. Like you said, powered by corporate earnings, that's where it's going to have to come from. I also hope that the conventional portfolio made up of 60% stocks and 40% bonds, the old 60-40, a time-honored Wall Street strategy for mitigating risk that has been battered by rising rates as it comes back into vogue again. Because most of our retirees, it's interesting, when we build out a bucket plan for them or 
you know, whatever it is we're doing, most people end up at around 60-40 at the end of the day. And if you're not at 60-40, that means that you either have a lot more money than what you need or you don't have enough. And <laughs> But most people end up that 60-40. So it'd be nice to have normal C-Hot Ride back where we could say, yeah, a good old-fashioned 60-40 mix is where you need to be. And it'll give you the growth that you need. It'll give you the stability that you need. And, and it kind of makes sense with rates where they are and starting to roll. I'm seeing CD rates, the brokerage CD rates, Rod, that were, you know, we were buying five, five and a quarter treasuries as well agencies um a new cd list came broker cd list came out and you can still get five but it matures in like three months or six months so now you're seeing the one year and two years in the fours range so um that that interest rate curve as they call it's definitely telling you something well it most certainly is i mean the the short duration the ultra short duration your money markets those are the areas that are going to feel the rate decline first uh, matter of fact, I had that question earlier of, you know, hey, if you can see, if you can pick up much yield by taking this money out of the short duration and put it into an individual bond, go right ahead. And I'm sure what gave them that thought was, you know, seeing 4 and 5% bonds that were being bought here just a month, two months ago, and now a lot of those short duration yields are down around three and a quarter to three and a half. Well, the reality is, guess what? The short-term bonds are down as well. Now, we were in this particular circumstance was able to pick him up at about four and a quarter versus about three and a half in the short duration that he was in right there. But, yes, there is compression on the short end of those interest rates as well in which they're coming down, which is why you're seeing the rates come down on CDs, on money markets, on ultra-short duration funds. And then the other thing I'll add to your normalcy, Dave, the other part of normalcy I want to get to is, and I'm a little less confident on this, but getting to the normalcy that we don't need the Fed to have solid growth within the stock market in our economy. The Fed can set at neutral, and the economy can do just fine. We don't need the Fed to be stimulative. We don't need the Fed to be restrictive. And I have a feeling that we have a large percent of money managers mm-hmm. who I don't know that they're convinced of that, that I think that they feel the only way the market can have good years and the economy can actually grow is if the Fed is stimulating the economy. And we've had plenty of good periods, and I'm not talking a year or two at a time, but, but long bull markets that were driven by good economic growth, not low interest rates by the Fed. So that's the other component of normalcy that I'm hoping we see in 2024. Like I said, I am anxiously awaiting some Fed cuts in the second half of the year, but not to stimulate, only to get rid of the restrictive territory that they believe that they're in and get back to neutral and allow the economy to do what it does and put that soft landing in place that they that's they've never has never happened before so this at least in my nearly 30 year career last thing i'll yeah, say it's happened once not in our career necessarily Dave, yeah, but I, it has happened once out of like 12 or 15 times so the odds and are we're old rod and, and we're old not giving up hope yeah yeah unfortunately we are getting up there <laughs> one last thing when you mentioned the fed it's been a long time i mean there's people in our office that are advisors that have never been in an environment where the Fed hasn't been engaged. I mean, think about it. 2008, 2009 financial crisis. Think how long ago that was. The chief concern of the Fed was consumer prices were rising too slowly, creating the risk of deflation. And as a result, they kept interest rates near zero and brought bought trillions of dollars of bonds trying to stimulate the economy. Stocks and other risky assets thrived, but bonds offered crappy returns and they were nagging concerns that the Fed was creating a bubble. So 
Yeah, we've come a long way to get to this point where maybe, maybe we're seeing a little more stability in the markets. Any last words, Rod, before we let you go? No, I think just more than anything, the people have to know and understand what each of the asset classes are really for, what the time horizon makes sense for them, and, and truly understand what their personal objective for that money is. Um, you know, your, your equity account is not your on-demand account that when you decide to go have a fun weekend down at French Lick, that you tap <laughs> into your equities. Of course, unless you're just peeling off some profits after having a great year, that component makes sense. But I think that's the biggest thing that people need to evaluate. And it's best to evaluate it right now when things feel good rather than doing the evaluation when something bad happens within the market and then you suddenly have to reevaluate, ooh, did I take on more risk than what I was comfortable with? Because guess what? When you realize that because of market performance, you're probably down considerably. So now's a good time when it's up evaluate where you're at, where you want right. to go, and have that conversation with your advisor as to what allocation makes most sense for that objective. And don't allow the fact that we came off of a really good year to push the greed factor to make the decision for you as to what your allocation is moving forward. You never know how much risk you can take, folks, until you've taken too much, and then it's too late. Rod Holloway, you'll hear him on Glass in the Afternoon on Big Show Friday. I'm sure he'll be talking Dolphins as well as playoff uh, playoff runs because the Colts, if they win, they're in on Saturday night. I'll be there, and then I leave Sunday morning for a cruise for a week, and I'll be staying engaged while I'm gone. But uh, big big football weekend coming up, Rod, so I've, we have plenty to, to do and talk about. Yeah, most certainly will. Looking forward to having that conversation with Glass, both about the market and football, and I'm sure we'll throw in a little bit of basketball along the way. Dave, I hope you have a great show, and I will talk to you later. All right, thanks. Rod Holloway, everyone. We're going to take a quick break. More people turning 65 in America history this year, and more and more will be happening over the next five years. What does that mean? Peak of the Boomer generation is coming. We're going to talk about the rest of the world as well, focusing mainly on Japan and China and why women are rejecting Beijing's effort to boost rapid fall in the population. We'll be right back. That'll be fun talk. Your Money with David Hayes. Are you turning 30, 65 this year? I was going to say 35. We don't have any 35-year-olds listening to this show. We're all, they're all 50 and older, right? Maybe we do have some younger people. I hope we do. And maybe you're a UPS driver, or maybe you're a postman or something like that, and you're out and about and on a Saturday morning, or maybe you're working late on a Thursday night, and you have GCL on, and there's old Dave talking to you now, yeah, trying to make sense of what's happening in the world and the markets and everything else in between. So happy birthday. Four million baby boomers will turn 65 in 2024, the largest number in U.S. history by this summer. 12,000 people born in 1959 are projected to reach this milestone every single day. I had been saying 11,500 people a day because that's been a number stuck in my head for a long time. 12,000 people per day reaching the age 65. Now, I will say this. The peak of the boomer generation arguably was right around 1960, right? 59, 60, 61. So the next two, three, four years, we're going to see a ton of people turning 65. That wave of retirees, what's it going to do? Well, it's going to mean a lot more people getting on Medicare. It's going to be more strain on the system. You know, when you have less people paying into Social Security than people taking out. I mean, that's at this point, it's not, we're not there yet, but we're basically about two people paying in for every one person 
taking out and it's just going to continue to get worse and worse, right? So that puts a squeeze on Social Security. It puts a squeeze on Medicare. So I'm thinking that this 2024 year, election year, hopefully they'll start talking about the, what we call, some people call it entitlement, entitlement programs. I don't know what you want, social service programs, whatever you want to call it. doesn't matter. Social Security, Medicare. But I am hearing people finally recognize the cost of the interest on our debt. It was big news, right? We hit 32 trillion. We're hitting 33 trillion of debt. You know, people are starting to talk about it, which is great because that stuff needs to be talked about. So, why is it is the United States okay? That's because our doors, even though I know you watch the news and you have tons of people trying to cross the border legally or illegally, mostly it's focused on the illegal immigration. People still want to come here. Our doors still swing in. And that's good. That's really good because I know that our kids aren't having enough kids. Most people are no longer having, you know, the three or four kids. They're not like my father-in-law that was the oldest of 10 and he had three and we have one, right? My dad was the oldest of six. He had three boys. I have one. Dan has two. One is adopted, which no, not a problem, but I'm just saying that people aren't having many kids. My brother has two. My sister has two. So you go on and on and on. And it's kind of like, man, yeah, the math is starting to add up against us. So what do we need? We need more people. We need more babies. And that's where immigration is a positive thing. Now, let's look at China. Let's look at Japan. They're older than us, a lot older, like 10 years older. So do they have a bunch of people turning 65? No, they have a bunch of people turning 75, 85, 100. Man, it's crazy. And they don't have any young people. They're not having babies. In fact, China for years had the one baby policy, and it came back to bite them. And now... Beijing's saying, we want you to have kids. We don't care if they're boys. We don't care if they're girls. Whatever it is, you have them. And it's interesting, the younger people in China have adopted a mindset of either they're fine ha- not having a lot of kids, or and they're having a lot of pressure from their older family members. Yes, have kids, have kids. You're getting pressure from the government. Have kids, have kids. I'm sure I haven't looked into it. I'm sure they're giving them incentives, right? You know, all these incentives that we get, whether it's a child tax credit or some deduction or whatever it might be, those are incentive programs. Taxes have been used and credits have been used for years to incentivize you to do something or try to keep you from doing something. Like smoking cigarettes, chewing skull, you know, drinking, whatever it might be. Those sin taxes, right? They try to tax you out of it. Still doesn't work. A lot of people still drink, smoke, and chew, but, <laughs> but may, maybe they buy a lottery ticket or two as well. But those, that, that you know, kind of doesn't really affect some people. They don't really care, but that's what it's used for. So I personally think that one baby policy that was intact for a long time, they did ease up a little bit for a while, and now they're saying, have kids. We're in, we're in desperate need of more children. Who's, who's migrating, who's immigrating to China, right? I may go visit I'm not going to move there. I don't see the op- I don't see the freedom, the opportunity, right, that we have here in the U.S. I'm not going to even move to Europe. Europe's in the same problem. They're kind of like us age-wise, but you don't have a ton of people that are immigrating to to uh, London. I mean, you have people move there, but you don't have big immigrants flowing in from wherever. You're not seeing that happen in France. You're not seeing that happen in Greece. But you're seeing it happen in the United States of America, which is fantastic because we need people. That'll help with our social service. We need people that are here, that are paying into the system, right? That are younger, and they have babies. And us old white farts are going to have to get over the fact that, hey, this was a country built on this, right? All these people from Europe came. Heck, my last name, Hayes, right? 
I mean, according to stuff that I have in, in my file from my great aunt, at one point that was spelled H-A-Z-E. My other side, Deckard. Deckard. D-E-C-K-E-R-D. So that was spelled D-E-C-K-A-R-T. Right? They dropped the, those na- the, the, the way that it was spelled so it wouldn't have the stigma of being a German name. So we're all built on this process. It's just now they happen to be coming from South America, Mexico for the most part. And if they come here and we can figure out a way to get them here, get them working, get them paying into the system, that's all good. That's all good. So not opinion, just math. All right, let's take a quick break. Let me see what I have next for you all. Let me see here. Let me see here. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Should you be messing with your 401k more or less? A really good article that I found in the Wall Street Journal and kind of told the tale that I witnessed with the tale of two sisters, which I'll talk about when I come back. It's Your Money with David Hayes. If you guys have New Year's resolutions, I've never been that kind of person. You know, here's the thing. I like to be held accountable for things. But if I just visualize something, and you guys heard me talk a lot about this during the COVID period where I was just, you know, at this place, at this time, for this moment, right? Kind of leading and guiding people through angst and worry and all of that. But, you know, kind of over that, I'm kind of now thinking, but what makes me do something? Visualizing it? No, not really. Verbalizing it. I talked to you about this when I was writing my book. When I sit there and tell people, listen, I'm going to write a book, and here's what it's going to be about, then I better get my freaking book done because I'll be a, I'll look like a fool if I don't. So I have been very careful with saying anything about what I want to do in 2024. Do I want to lose 10 pounds? Yes, I do. Am I committed to doing it? Mm, at this point, maybe not. So we have this cruise coming up. And there's always, hey, after the cruise, right? After the trip to Scottsdale. After, you know, the weekend camp, whatever it is. Then I'm going to get my act in order. Well, I just came from the Iron Pit Gym a few minutes ago. And I've been a member down there for a long time. And they're, it's a great place to go. A lot of people that, you know, you know in the community go there. And they were advertised here on the station. And it's a great place to go. But it was pretty empty. And I was surprised. They were like... I'm like, why aren't all the New Year's resolution people here? And they're like, the people that come here aren't New Year's resolution people. These are serious people. <laughs> and I'd laugh. I'm go, well, that doesn't include me. I'm just here with my trainer trying to get through the motion. I pay him to put me through heck, if you know what I mean. Because if I don't pay him, I don't have an appointment, I probably won't go. So I'd have a New Year's resolution to say no to more things. I am a yes man. You, David, you, can you do this? Yes, I can do that. Do you want to be on this board? Yes. Do you want to give to this charity? Yes. Dave, will you sponsor my golf team? Yes, yes, yes. I'm just a yes man. So this year it's like, no, or I'm going to blame it on somebody else. I can't make that decision. <laughs> You'll have to talk with blank. Now, my wife's a yes, a yes woman. Uh, you know, she's very generous, very, very giving. She'll do anything you ask her to do and more. Um, but I need to say no. I need to say no to, to a real estate deal. I need to say no to committing my time. I want to say yes to things that are more, you know, that, that aren't taking my time up every night. I mean, I literally, like tonight, on Thursday night, I don't think I have a lot going on after 6.30. Now, granted, I'm recording this show just slightly early today before it goes on live at 6 o'clock. So you might be thinking, what are you doing after after 6.30? Shouldn't you be on the air? Well, I'll actually be at home, I hope, by then, 6.30. I may pack tonight. Because tomorrow, I have a wedding in Carmel to go to in the evening. Saturday, we have the Colts game up in Indianapolis. 
Sunday morning, 7.30, we leave for Miami to get on this cruise. So I, I need to say no to a lot more things. Now, I'm not going to say no, I'm not going to go to the wedding. I'm going to go to the wedding. But just say no more. So that's my New Year's resolution. Say no more. That is my New Year's resolution. Okay, so here's my question. We just talked with Rod. And we're saying a great time to kind of mess with your stuff. But do you, should you really mess with your 401k more or less? This Wall Street Journal came out, a pretty good article. It talked about the pitfalls and the advantages and, you know, buying slow, low and selling high. Well, that's basically what rebalancing is. I was looking at this year-end equity allocation of a 60-40 portfolio. And it literally, this goes back from 1900 all the way through current day. All right? And it shows someone doing annual rebalancing, a portfolio, 60-40, versus no rebalancing. Well... The annual rebalancing, your returns were much less by doing annual rebalancing, but your ride was much smoother. And that's the idea. If every year you go in and say, okay, I'm going to press the reset button, and now I have, I have 85% stock and 15% bonds, but I want to be 80-20, so I'm going to sell 5% of my, my stocks that had obviously went up, or my bonds have gone down, and I'm going to buy more bonds. That's annual rebalancing. I, I don't know that picking a calendar day is a great idea, but I think rebalancing occasionally is good. You know, it's okay to let your horse run a little bit. You know, if you were a 60-40 guy or gal and now you're at 65, yeah, it's okay. How old are you? When are you going to need the money? You know, those conversations. Maybe you get to 70-30 and you're feeling pretty good. That's the time to rebalance when you're feeling good. Because when you feel good, it's the most counterintuitive thing you'll ever do is to say, I'm going to go ahead and sell this thing that's doing great. And it's not doing great. It did great. And take that money and put it somewhere that hasn't been doing as well. Right? That's hard to do. So here's my tale of two sisters. Literally, they got a job at a local company within a week of each other. They both made similar incomes their entire career. One worked in the office. One worked on the production floor. And... I, what's interesting, in the 90s, I actually helped them put their allocations together at their fidelity plan. So this goes back a long way. So I've known them a long time, and then they retired. They retired in 2019. So the, when I first set up this for, for one sister who's in production, she literally never touched it, never looked at it, never did anything. She did exactly what I told her to do, put this much in. Make put these investments in place, the, pick these funds, and just l let it rip. She rarely opened her statements. She didn't pay any attention. Well, the other sister worked in the office. She had a computer. Guess what she did? She looked at it every day. And she was hearing people say, hey, I'm going to put it here, I'm going to put it there. She was always moving her money around. At the end of their, they both retired. They hey, we're retired at the same time. They were one year apart in age. So this is in 2018, 19, I can't remember, I think 18. And one of them had $150,000 more in her 401k than the other one did. Which one do you think had the most money? The one that messed around with it all the time or the one that set it and forget it and let the fund managers do their thing? Well, you know the answer. It's the person that set it and forget it. They didn't bother it. They just let it go. But the person was there messing around all the time. That's the one that was sitting in the back seat, not in the front seat when it came to who had the most money. So 150000 may or may not sound like a lot of money to you, but it's a lot of money to them. I mean, literally, as a percentage goes, it was like 20, 25% more money 
that the one sister had over the other sister by simply letting it go. Now, do I suggest you never look at it? You never rebalance? No. You should still look at it occasionally. Talk to someone that's not at the water cooler. These are still even water coolers. Whatever. You're, you're at your work. You know, I, I think, too, when you think about the S&P 500, you know, quit comparing yourself to that. It's just not a good gauge. You know, when, when six companies run, what, what 30% of the, of the portfolio, 12 companies, well over half, you know, if you don't own those companies, then you're not going to look like the S&P 500. I, I like the more evenly weighted indexes. Sure, I'm, I'm fine with overweighting in, into energy sometimes or utility sometimes or whatever it might be occasionally, defense and discretionaries and all that kind of stuff. But I don't necessarily want to take big bets. Now, I will say this, that you know a lot of rich people that took big bets or put a lot of eggs in one basket, whether it's their business, whether it's one particular stock, whatever it might be, um, you know, some real estate. But most people, most people should not overweight that heavily to any one position. And I can tell you this, we were just talking about this today, Lehman Brothers, Lehman Brothers, back in 2008 or whatever, we looked at Lehman Brothers as a great company, A-rated in March, a great place to put your money if you want it in a safe place. And guess what? Four months later, they're bankrupt. Now, that was a historic time, right, as far as the Great Recession, and it was uncommon to see a company like that go completely under. But people that were debt holders, bondholders of Lehman Brothers, have been in bankruptcy for all of these years, and every once in a while, they get a little check, get a little check. So we looked at this structured note of Lehman Brothers that we had laying around, and they had received something like 40-some distributions from the trustee, and they were about 40, they got about 40% of their money back so far, and that was over all these years, right? Over all these years, from 2008 to today. So, yeah, I mean, you can look like a great place to park your money, but you need to be careful. That's why you buy mutual funds. That's why you be, buy let people who do it every day move the money around for you. Set it and forget it for the most part is my advice for today. All right, last thing I'll leave you with before we take our final break. Social Security benefits, yep, last year was the big kahuna, right? That big monster increase. Well, this year it's not so big, but it's still big, 3.2%. So more than 71 million Americans will see a 3.2% increase in their Social Security checks in 2024. That increase, which adds a little more than 50 bucks a month on average, hits some checks on Friday. I think this coming Friday. And will continue this month throughout the year. The raise, of course, is due to a cost of living adjustment. The Social Security Administration said will help recipients keep up with expenses it's the third year in a row inflation has propped up an increase uh, in benefits through the previous two years where we had that historic 8.7% increase in 23. We had a 59 in 22. Those are pretty big jumps. You know what's cool is if you're delaying your benefit, you get those increases as well. So remember, you get the 8% delay credit after full retirement up to age 70, plus another 8.7, plus another almost 6, plus another 3.2, you start adding that money up together, you're going to be well over 50 grand in many cases with a Social Security benefit. If you're married, you might have 70, 80 grand of Social Security benefits. Traditionally, that shouldn't cover more than about 30% of someone's retirement income. But I can tell you, for most people that did a good strategy like that, it's covering a big chunk, maybe half or more of what they want in retirement. So enjoy it. I know uh, cost of Part B Medicare 
jumped up as well. I think it's around 170 something now. So anyway, that's just a little information for you to look forward to if you're on Social Security. Let's take a quick break, come back and wrap it up. It's Your Money with David Hayes. Well, Jim Emmon Jr., Jr., Jr. is working on a list of guests for me for the first part of 2024, so look forward to some of those announcements coming up soon. Next week, I will be on a hiatus, a week out on the Western Caribbean. I will have my computer with me. I have a couple Zoom meetings while I'm out at sea on Wednesday. Uh, I've arranged that because I'm bored. When it's at sea, I'm bored. So I want to, and I can't, I can't only lay around the pool and stuff for so long or watch the Sexiest Man Alive contest. If you've ever been on a cruise, you know what I'm talking about. I need to be busy. So anyway, I can only watch so many people flop on the flow rider in the back of the <laughs> Royal Caribbean ship. Again, only if you're a cruiser and only if you've been on these things would you know what I'm talking about. Years ago, we started cruising in the 90s. We first got married. We used to shoot skeet off the back of the boats. I can't even imagine them allowing, you know, shotguns on a boat any longer. But anyway, we used to do that. So a lot of stuff going on. So next week, uh, Wayne and Jim don't know it yet, but uh, I think they might know it. But they are going to pinch hit because Ryan Belcher is going to be on the cruise. Doug Hughes will be on the cruise. There's a theme here, right? Next year, this year is our 30th year in business. And what we did, we said, hey, let's as many people can go. Let's go on a cruise together. Of course, we have to leave a good chunk back to uh to run the place while we're while we're gone so hot rod will be still there and you know our front people will still be there about half of our assistants will be there a couple of three three advisors will be there so we'll be pretty well staffed that week but a lot of us will be gone so it's going to have to come down to jim and more than likely wayne but that's okay because there's a lot of things that we can talk about or they can talk about that be meaningful and beneficial for you in two weeks i want to spend some time talking about the wealth transfer from boomers uh, to the Gen Xers, all right? It's it's happening. And experts say that b- baby boomers will be giving more than $50 trillion to their heirs. But for many, they say health costs might claim some of that wealth. Well, this comes right in line with my theory on why age 75, why, why, why do we wait after, well, if you're born 1960, why do we have a age 75 RMD? I'm telling you right now, the math doesn't lie. It's because the boomers are going to die sooner. They have delayed taking their RMDs later. It's all going to come to their kids who are at their peak earning years, and they have to then pay tax on all of your mom and dad's IRA and 401k accounts. And that is one of the solutions to paying some of our debt because by that time, we could very well be $50 trillion in debt as a, as a country, easily, easily by then. So anyway, so much to talk about in 2024. I'm going to continue to do this show as long as they'll have me and as long as I keep having fun. So I hope everyone has a fantastic start of their new year, and I'll talk to you again in two weeks, everyone. It's been Your Money with David Hayes. Bye-bye. The preceding program was brought to you by Comprehensive Financial Consultants and CFCI, which is solely responsible for its content. Securities are offered through J.W. Cole Financial, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice offered through CFCI and J.W. Cole Advisors. J.W. Cole Financial, J.W. Cole Advisors, and CFCI are unaffiliated entities.